Hey everyone, Tony and John bringing you King's Talk presented by Cap City Crown. Uh, John, how's it going? Hello. Oh, it's going well. How about yourself? Going well. Yeah, it's going well. You know, uh, you know, it, it, things going really well for uh, Davion Mitchell as well. Uh, right. He, he's been playing out of his mind, huh? Absolutely. It's 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 been impressive in the last five games. I don't know. Do you have the stats on that off top? Of yeah, your head? I believe I believe I do have them up top of my head. I believe it's twenty four points even. Um, 8.4 assists, 48.5 from the field, and 38.5 from three. With, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, I just to just to commend you there for a second. It was it's April Fool's Day, and I thought that you were you were, that was no joke. You got that right on the nose on about everything. You got Thank it you. down to the down to the decimal. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it is April Fool's Day. Mind. Yeah, yeah, right. It's, you know, started King's blog or something. But um, you know, not just his play has been. I mean, his play has been amazing. But I mean, he's also been very clutch. On top of that, defensively and offensively, and the that started off these five games was against the Suns a couple Sundays ago. He had a hit. He hit a huge bucket to send the game into overtime. Um. About a week later, against the Magic, he had a game tying. I guess I, did they go into overtime in that uh, Magic game? Magic. Yeah, 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 they yeah. They went into overtime too. So Davion had that steal in the bucket to send that game to OT. And then a couple nights ago against the Rockets, he had that. He clamped down Kevin Porter Jr., who had a triple double at that point in the game, um, with like ten seconds left, and he forced him to give up the ball and. The Rockets heaved up the last second three to miss. And just before that, he had drawn that um, offensive foul and uh, transition. Yeah. Davion. It's been incredible. Yeah. You cannot understate that defense. It just makes such a huge difference. Every time he's on the floor, it's just like, even it, you know, Fox makes his presence known. It's very, it's, it's, it's prominent. You can't miss it because he's scoring. Um, when Mitchell, a lot of the things he does goes a little unnoticed, but I think one of the things that you're seeing in the the fact that he's starting is not only the fact that he's the continuity's there and it seems like he's really rolling, but you know his confidence is there. People, I mean, I think the whole team has known that he's got the talent, but you know the fans are giving him encouragement. I think that people are really positive about him. I think there were a lot of people that were like, eh, I don't know. Even I think you were like not not low on Mitchell but it wasn't like you had anything to be like extremely excited about compared to what we are feeling like in the last you know week or two but um you know he's really boosted his 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 standing amongst not just Kings fans himself but the league everybody's talking about him on the the opposing uh broadcasts and everything like that i know that mark jones said um it was like after a timeout against the rockets I think Ryan Hollins, I think he said, was doing the, the color commentating for the Rockets. And, Kings uh, legend Ryan Hollins is who you're talking <laughs> about? MB, NBA legend, man. NBA um, legend, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, my Sorry. goodness. Yes. I know. I, I mean, I, you, I'm i the one being disrespectful to to, to, to Hollins. You know, Ryan I, Hollins. I, I should yeah. check myself. But anyways, uh, he, he had, you know, a timeout 
took his headset off and looked at Mark Jones and lipped the words Damian or uh, not Damian Jones. We'll get there. But <laughs> Davion Mitchell, like, wow, you know, like impressed. And instantly, I think it was in the first or second quarter. And, you know, it's this sample size is just really it's, it's something else. And he's doing it all over the floor. And he's always making an impact, as I was saying. And um, I think it could be hard to notice it all the time. But I think he's he's really captured people's attention. Um, and rightfully so. Yeah, he's really turned it up since he was given the starting point guard job when Fox went out, and shoot, he hasn't looked back, and he's got a game tonight against the Rockets to continue that streak. I believe he is the first Sacramento Kings rookie to average 20, well, not just average, but score 20 points and average seven, or in dish out seven assists in five plus games so i mean i the only rookie to do that sacramento rookie and we've had you know tyreek evans darren fox Mm -hmm. as a rookie so he's doing some incredible things and it's been awesome to watch and uh, just that clutchness too he's i mean he's playing every you know he's playing to the last second and making huge stops and scoring big buckets it's very encouraging to see and it makes that trade with Sabonis and dishing out Halliburton, uh, it's starting to ease the pain a little. And I think some other Kings fans can say the same. Right. And I think, I th- you know, last week we were talking about that trade in relation to the fact that it, it looked bad to people on the outskirts because they thought the Kings were just willingly giving up an excellent asset in Buddy Hield. And Buddy Hield is an excellent shooter, but as we got into He's almost more of a net negative in a lot of ways. You saw it in the game against the Pacers. And you saw it a lot when he was with the Kings. And, you know, that was kind of like, you once you clear that element up, it's easier for people to understand what the Kings were thinking when they made that trade. And oh, another element of that is Davion Mitchell. And even if you take that into account, you don't take it into account with like, as much, you know, you don't give it as much weight, you know, when it happened than you were giving it now because of the way he's playing. And I just don't think people expected that. Um, Some people didn't even know about him. You know, people that are reacting to this trade don't even know that the Kings have this other guard that they're really high on, you know. Mm -hmm. And all it took is for him to come out and play. And then, you know, time will sort that trade out, as we've been saying, as with any trade for the most part especially that one. Um, but it was more like time for people to kind of realize um, that, uh, you know, there were reasons, or maybe not reasons to make the trade, but there were, um, you know, considerations um, that you could could take um, and decide to, you know, go ahead and make that gamble to take that chance. And um, I think, you know, from the start, it made a lot of sense. And I've always liked Mitchell. And um, I always kind of saw him of the three. Um, And this is my personal opinion. I think I see him of the three point guards that were on the Kings roster at the start of the season. as just the most dynamic one all around. Halliburton's pretty close. And Fox is pretty hard to deal with when it comes to, like, nobody touches his offensive ability for the most part. But, man. Mitchell is just the improvement is just it, it, it just needs to it, it just 
he just needs to be given the opportunity. Clearly, he's just such a he's such an NBA player already, you know. And um, I don't know. It's just you. A month ago, we're talking about how great, or less than a month ago, we're talking about how great Darren Fox is, and now we're talking about Mitchell. And it's like, oh man, you know, even if Mitchell gets into a position where he's um, the second best guard on the roster, or something like that, or the the closing two, or whatever you want to call it or one of the closing guards, um, you have one of those positions uh, where the Kings are in, similar with the Fox and Halliburton thing, where you have two really good point guards. And you might be needing to make, you know, a move. And, you know, I don't think that this positive talk about Davion Mitchell is, like, too soon. I don't think it's uh, overhyped. do you trade? Do you think about trading De'Aaron Fox? Um, and, I, and I know I've, for some people that's too soon to be talking about. And that's why the important follow-up question to that is, um, if yes, when? Because that's something I've been thinking about for this Kings team, long-term or short-term. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a very interesting question. Um and I think before you can even ask that, is that where is Davian Mitchell in the lineup next season? Is he a starter or is he going to continue to come off the bench? Because until you get a backup point guard, he's the only, he's the only point guard you have to back up Fox. Um, and, you know, I mean, the Kings, you know, free agency's coming upon us pretty soon. The season's basically over. So, of course, we can start looking into that in the coming weeks. Or I guess after the, I suppose the playoffs end. But I don't know. I think it really just depends on where they want Mitchell next year. I I could see him starting next to the Fox. Um, like I we've talked about it. I've said it a million times. You put you start both of them. You put Davion on the best uh, the best offensive guard on defense and let Fox work his magic on offense. Um, and Davion is a lot better, I think, of a spot-up shooter. And you'd feel more comfortable putting him in, like, a corner or for spot-up situations more so than you would Halliburton. So I could see them definitely working together in the starting lineup. But, of course, Davion's numbers are going to be inflated right now because De'Aaron Fox is out and he's getting the majority of the ball-handling minutes. And so those numbers will drop next year if he is moved to the starting lineup next to Fox. But then again... Do you, or do you just prefer him to come off the bench? Because he is a great spark off the bench. A lot of people say starting doesn't really matter. It's who's closing the game, which I can see. That's a great point as well. Um, and do you are you going to get a solid backup point guard that can, I guess, back up Fox if Davion Mitchell is coming into the starting lineup? I, I think all those questions have to be answered before you can even think about trading Fox. Um but I, it's a great point. If if Mitchell is showing promise and he's showing promise next year, and you know maybe maybe Fox struggles with Mitchell in the starting lineup, kind of like the Halliburton and Fox situation earlier this year, they might come to another crossroads and have to send someone off. It, it's an interesting situation because I, I could very much see this you know, the same thing happening, but I, I do agree Mitchell, or I do think Mitchell does fit better in with Fox in a lineup together. I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't really think I answered your question. I kind of danced around no, I don't, it. I think it you, mm -hmm. well, I don't think I asked that question thinking that there's an answer because I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't know if there's a right answer to that question at this point. I think you what you laid out and illustrated was that there's just a lot of unknowns and that's for sure. But as you're also laying out is it's like, well, the question is definitely interesting because you can go either way because you do put yourself in a position where well, yeah, no, maybe they don't because it can work together. And I totally agree with you that it can work together. And that is a great duo if that can pan out. And like you said, yeah, maybe, you know, you're not going to get the same numbers out of Mitchell um, playing next to Fox. But, um, you know, his presence on the floor is so much more than some of the numbers that show up in the stat sheet, as we've talked about. So the potential there is great as a, as a starting duo. Um, and, you know, adding a backup point guard, um, which, you know, can sound easy, but that can be difficult, you know? Yeah. Uh, I know we were just having a conversation, not on the podcast, about Corey Joseph being on this team. And, like, yeah. everybody thought that was just a solution. And that's kind of one of those, is that a net negative again kind of situation, you know? It looks good. It sounds good, you know, like his experience and everything like that. But I don't know. You know, it's, it's, so that can be a tough thing, but at the mm -hmm. same time you get into that position, like you said, well, what happens if Fox isn't playing well with, with Mitchell or something like that. And all of a sudden you're put into this front office, you're putting McNair in a position where he has to make another big move and he's going to want to do it sooner than later. Well, then that starts putting you in the position to, you know, um, make that move sooner than later. And I don't know. I don't even know if the move is inevitable because it can work out between the two of them, which is, I think is a real shame that Fox won't play again this season. I know um, for the most part, because, you know, even if he, he could just come out for the final two or three, you know, and um, I know that Gentry's referred to it as day to day. Um, but I just, I'm not really a hundred percent sure what the situation is on the hand, but I would really like it. If you could see them play, start a few games together, even if it is just one or two, it would be interesting. And, you know, I think we can probably, I, I, I don't want to make a big deal about, or like, you know, about any topic of trading Fox because there's a big question mark next to that. We can probably table that. But, it, you know, in terms of, wouldn't that be great if they could have Fox and, and, and Mitchell play together for at least a couple of games? Yeah. It would be nice to see and prepare you for next season to see if that's going to work. I mean, of course, you have training camp, but nothing's like a real NBA game. Right. And obviously, this team is pretty keen on competing and improving as kind of a way of riding into next season rather than maybe uh, tanking or something like that. Um, but, you know... Uh, I think one of the things that I've thought about in terms of this team playing without Sabonis, Sabonis and Fox, but Sabonis in particular, is that the way Sabonis kind of like runs the offense, you take him away, you start having to make the team improvise. And it's kind of good for the team. It's a good exercise for them to do that in real NBA action. And I think similar to that, you have Fox and Mitchell playing together starting together without Sabonis on the floor 
and kind of see what the hell happens. You know, I mean, obviously this is more of a a, a wish than anything at this point, because I don't know. <laughs> I don't really think that's going to happen. Um, yeah, but I don't think so. You know, in terms of, you know, there's, there's, there, there, it felt like there was so much contentness. Like I was so content to be like, you know, kind of close the season out and be like, okay, this team looks like it's going to be going in the right direction. But now I feel like just with Mitchell's play lately, I feel like I've just developed like attention deficit disorder. I can't focus and I want to know, you know, how is this going to work? How is that going to work? Because there's so many interesting questions about, you know, uh, this roster makeup and how it's going to look and how people are going to play together. I do think, though, you can sit back and still be pretty optimistic, I guess, about where things are going to go. But uh, it's an interesting situation, I guess. And I know that's a lot of jumping around there, but that's the kind of considerations and that's the kind of, you know, complete shift in your perspective on a, on a professional sports team when a rookie in particular starts playing really well and starts making you think about these things. So credit to Davion Mitchell for making me ramble, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, he's, he's raising a lot of questions. He, he, he definitely showed some promise earlier this season when he, he, I think he was moved into the starting lineup for a handful of games. I don't, I think Fox was out earlier. Um, and he was starting, he was, he was doing actually really well scoring like 18 points a game around there. I think as a starter this season in about 15, 16 games, maybe less. I, I don't, I don't know the number off the top of my head. I know a couple days ago it was 11. So maybe like 14 games as a starter, he's averaging hmm. around 20 points a game as a starter and that includes about six or seven games maybe back in late january early february so he was getting some starts before the halliburton trade and he was playing really well it's just that he's been on the bench and yeah he hasn't been able to shine and he's finally given you know i, I don't think anyone really expected davion to take a such such a big jump i didn't i didn't expect davion to be given a starting role and then, you know, in the last five games, averaged 24 points a game. I mean, an 8.4 assists, that's, I mean, that's almost like Halliburton numbers when Fox was out and Halliburton was giving the reins. I mean, he's doing pretty close to that. Um, probably a little more points, but probably a little less assists. But I don't know. He, he just, <laughs> I, I don't think anybody expected this. Maybe not this big of a jump. And yeah, all these, he, you really have to think about all this now going into next season because, just what you're going to do with him and Fox now. And like you said, I wish we could see Fox and Mitchell play a couple of games together before the season ends, but it doesn't look like a reality. I guess all we can do now is just, I don't know, guess on what's going to, what's going to happen. Who's whoever the coach is going to be, he's going to have an interesting, but a good problem to go into training camp with. Maybe not a problem. Yeah. Maybe that's not the word, but situation. Yeah. Conundrum. Yeah. Because I, I mean, problem's not totally off to say. You know, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, it is a good problem to have. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it, the, 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 first of all, it seems like a lot of Davion Mitchell's confidence has come from you know, I, I explained it a little bit. Like, I feel like 
has come from just being able to kind of play and be given um, the opportunity. But I think that obviously came from maybe after the trade, where I feel like a trade like that with Halliburton does kind of clear up, you know, where you stand with the team. I think we mentioned that last week. I know we definitely mentioned that uh, as it pertains to Fox. But, you know, as you're talking about, like when Fox was out, I guess, with the ankle injury, um, and Mitchell got a few starts in there, um, uh, you know, that, you know, he's got a completely different attitude. But also, he's got Dante DiVincenzo playing with him. And those guys seem like you want to talk about a good duo. Those guys have totally changed the makeup of this defense, it feels like, almost single-handedly, along with a couple of other guys that just seemingly do the right thing on that end of the floor. Um, But, you know, you start talking about building an identity and building a culture, and, you know, uh, in such a limited sample size, and I won't call it a limited role, but not a you know full time starting role over the last month completely, um, but a pretty big role nonetheless. Mitchell has really, along with DiVincenzo, done a lot to kind of change the way this team is kind of acting on defense. And that doesn't take away from what Fox was doing before he got hurt because he'd been playing, uh, you know, better defense, not um, obviously to the level of Mitchell, but for him excellent leadership, uh, excellent effort and focus on that end of the floor. But it just seems like when you're talking about the last the last three out of the last four games, discounting the Miami game, which was really, I don't want to call it a throwaway game because there's some valuable things to look at in that game. But, you know, you just had added, there were so many guys out. It just it seemed like it was kind of a, that Miami was kind of ahead the whole time. Sacramento didn't hit shots early. It just seemed like it kind of just fell away from them from the start. But Indiana, Orlando, and uh, the first of two against Houston here, um, you know, those games came down to the final possessions. And a lot of credit has to be given to Mitchell and DiVincenzo's defense, particularly just in recent memory, the game against Houston, uh, Mitchell's uh, the, the charge. Uh, that he drew in transition. DiVincenzo forced, uh, uh, I think, the ball to go out of bounds or an over and back or something. Uh, And then Mitchell prevented Porter Jr. from getting a good shot. And you were kind of looking at the Kings when they started playing better initially, you know, with Fox and Sabonis. You're like, okay, yeah, they're playing great, but it's like they just kind of fall apart in the end. Those last few possessions will just get away from them and they can't win these games. And, you know... Obviously, um, you know, I think this will all sort itself out, and I don't think it has anything to do with Sabonis and Fox being out. But in their absence, um, DiVincenzo and Mitchell have just totally locked down and totally changed the energy of this team um, in terms of the last, you know, few minutes of the game. Valuing both valuing possessions on offense for the most part, but more importantly, just a little being stalwarts on defense. And you add to that kind of the last few possessions of the game type thing. You add to it um, the aggressiveness on the boards of Damian Jones and Trey Lyles. Damian Jones is always getting tippins. Lyles has been racking up rebounds like crazy. Um, he's always tipping balls too. 
uh, and you just add to it just the whole overall um, defensive mentality of the team with, you know, the four guys that I just mentioned, add to it anybody else that's basically playing in the rotation because everybody seems to be locking in defensively. And it's, I think in that Indiana game, not to ramble too much here, that Indiana game, they came out of halftime real low energy. Um, and then at the end of the third quarter, they started turning it up. And in the fourth quarter, they were running with the Pacers. And they, you know, essentially won, you know, because uh, you probably give a lot of credit to Buddy Heald there. But still, they played great down to the end, hitting buckets, trading buckets, but also coming up with a few stops here and there. And this last week and a half has really shown um, that kind of difference in um, – you know, play in the last four, five, six, seven minutes of the game and show sign of kind of like building that identity of just really dialing in as the game goes on. As everybody is supposed to get getting is supposed to be getting more tired, the idea is to lock in and pick up the energy. And that seems like that's being led by DiVincenzo and Mitchell. And that partnership is it's just they there's just it's a double, you know, I don't know how batteries work but they're like two batteries you know just charge with energizer bunnies that's a nice close to that but you know you know what i mean they're doing no, a lot for this team it's crazy yeah yeah team and chinzo and mitchell are so fun to watch together you know they love playing together and Devin chinzo's you know i think you mentioned it a couple podcasts ago or even last podcast um how much Devin chinzo admires Mitchell's game and intensity and even compared him to Drew Holiday. And yeah, I mean, DiVincenzo, he's not, they're, they're just both spark plugs. They play with all out energy all game. And like you said, I, like the Rockets game ended with some key stops by DiVincenzo and Mitchell. I mean, look at that magic game when they had a force. Oh, they were down by two and Cole Anthony's bringing up the ball. Guess who were the two players in the backcourt trapping or trying to trap Cole Anthony, I mean, they got a pretty quick steal, but it was Mitchell and DiVincenzo. They were putting on the pressure, and they got the steal, and they forced OT. Those guys, I mean, it, it's invaluable how much, like, or I mean, it's not the right word, but they're just invaluable, I guess it is the right word, <laughs> to this team's success because of what they bring in their heart and energy, and just every play matters. It, You know, you wish everyone could play like that, and they do, and it's nice to have two of them on the on our team at the same time. And especially in game when they're playing together on the floor, it's fun to watch. And I think they are definitely cementing themselves as people who will be in closing lineups next season if we retain DiVincenzo, which I definitely think we will. So, yeah, I, I the only positive things to say, DiVincenzo's shot starting to look better as well. So that's nice. He's been hitting some, actually some pretty big shots as of late. And so that's nice to see because he's definitely that guy. You want to be a three and D guy. He can also kind of facilitate a little if, if needed to. I don't think mm-hmm. you want him to if he isn't needed to, but he's definitely a versatile player. And, you know, he, he's on, he's in this league for a reason. That's because he does, he gives his all. I mean, he, maybe he's not the most talented, but. He's, I mean, not saying he's not talented, but he's, he, he just, he gives it all. And so does Mitchell. They're awesome. I can't, I can't, I can only say nice things about them. 
Did DiVincenzo win a national championship in college? Yeah, right? With Villanova? Yeah. They just have so much in common. It's weird. Yeah, I, yeah, you're right. I forgot Mitchell did as well. I mean, I shouldn't yeah. have. It was like last season. But, yeah, they both won national championships. They're both easy to love. <laughs> balls of energy. Balls of energy. Yeah. That's funny. Pair, I didn't even think. Pair of balls of energy. Pair of balls of energy. You're going to have balls of energy. You better have two of them. I, I can't wait to see them play together with a full season and full training camp under them next season. They're going to be so fun to watch on defense. Oh, man. They're, I mean, they're, they're already fun right now. Do. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, in terms of like building that identity and that culture, it's like, start talking about training camp and whatnot. Those are valuable, valuable little time. That's a valuable time frame right there to, to establish that identity. And it's like, you just get all those guys together and hopefully they kind of add to that, you know, relentless characteristic of the team. You know, that's going to be felt. That's going to be just impressive. Yeah, it's huge that they're the definition of culture changers. You got two of them. They're the one that lead by example. And they're probably, DiVincenzo looks like he's a vocal guy. You know, Mitchell's a rookie, so I'm not sure how vocal he is in the locker room. But, you know, not Mitchell, you know, DiVincenzo's vocal. He's calling out plays. He's always talking with his teammates on the court. Uh, I'm assuming that translates to the locker room as well. And... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can see why McNair tried to trade for him a year ago, two years ago, and I'm glad he finally got him for Marvin Bagley this year. Great trade, great <laughs> player. I know, when you put it like that. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, those are those are great guys. But there's another guy you mentioned um, a couple minutes ago after we went on a, you know, just showing all, all our love to DiVincenzo and Mitchell is uh, Damian Jones. He's been playing really well as of late since the bonus went out, and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent coming, well, you know, going into this offseason. What, what do you think? Can you sign him? He's definitely earned a job, I think, in this league. What are your thoughts on Jones? Um, You know, I think that more than just earning a spot, I think he's just proven that he, you can put him in the rotation. And he does so many things. Um, he's an athletic big. He's, he's mobile, down low. Um, you know, he, he's got active hands. He's getting blocks. You know, he's altering shots. He's not really a rim protector, but he uses his quickness and mobility to be able to do that. Like you said, there's the great story about how he would guard Clay Thompson in practice in his time in Golden State. So his perimeter defense is above average for a big man. Um, he's got lateral quickness. Um, and then on the offensive end, he is an aggressive rebounder. You see him getting offensive rebounds, putbacks, tip-ins, the whole deal all the time and in clutch moments. Um, you know, he can do so many different things to score the ball. And he's perfectly content being essentially the fifth scoring option on the team or whatever. Um, and he'll just put it in when he when he when he needs to um he's hit a few threes um i know he hit a three i think against the suns i think he hit a three last night or um wednesday night that is and you know he he just does so many different things and it's just like man 
the guy just stuck with it. You know, like we said last week, you know, him and Metu, not so much Metu, not Metu, not to the same degree as Jones. Um, they just kept their heads, heads down all season, kept working and they got their opportunities. And Jones is really showing that, I mean, he's just instantly a guy, I think in most rotations in this league. And I think that if he's not the backup center here in Sacramento, uh, he'll just be the backup center somewhere else. Um, and at the very least, maybe be like that third center or whatever that's at the end of the bench, um, given an injury or something like that. I mean, he's going to find his way to get a uh, get his way into the rotation again if that indeed happens. But he's definitely getting a contract. He's definitely getting a deal. I, I, I don't think that I, – I feel like sometimes you watch him play and you're just like, this is this is it's almost like your most i you know the, the nicest idealization of him in your head is just being played out on the floor he does everything that you want him to do i think there are some things that you know you'd like to see him do better i know in orlando he got into foul trouble and it kind of seemed like he got called for a couple moving screens there and had to get removed from the game early in the second half because i think he amassed four fouls and it seemed like some of those moving screens, it's like, come on, like, don't, don't, don't make it obvious for the refs. You know, there are <laughs> some things where it's like, he's still, I mean, like everybody's got, I guess, some, I mean, how old is he? He's not, he hasn't been in the league super long. He's a six or seven year vet. Man, I don't think he's that, I don't think he's even that old. I think he's like only 24 years old. I mean, I guess that could be six years, I suppose. And if he come into the league at 18, it's kind of crazy I to know, think about it. Time is weird, man. But um, let me see. yeah, Jay Jones. He's he's definitely no older than twenty five. Right. He's not. A, he's not. A, he's not. A, he's a, he's, a, he's a young player. You know that's. Oh no, that's I lie. Like, he's he's twenty six. So I'm a liar. Okay. Look at that. He's it's been April in the Fools. league. Yeah. It's okay <laughs> to lie today. There you go. Yeah, um. Right. Anyways, but you know, <laughs> the guy has virtually little downside. You know, and um, his upside's there. And like I said, if he's not with Sacramento in the rotation, he will be in the rotation somewhere else. Pretty confident. And I've always yeah. thought he was a, he's a good player. You know, I know you'd vouch for time for him uh, in podcasts in the past. And it just seems like he got his opportunity. It's been no looking back. Yeah, it's been awesome to see Jones get time because ever since the Kings got him, I think it was right around this time last year. We picked him up for like a 10, maybe was it a 10 day? I think it was just a, yeah, just like a small 10 day. And then they just kind of signed him to the rest of the season, signed him through the next year. It, it, and he's been great. He just, he's big. It's, he's kind of rare because he's a big guy who can hold his own against other centers, but he's also very mobile. And like you said, he has that lateral quickness. He can guard on the perimeter. He can rim run if needed. He, he has a good mid-range to long-range shot for a big guy. Again, these are all small sample sizes, but, you know, he's been pretty consistent about it. He's pretty consistent with his inconsistent minutes, and that's something nice to see about Damian Jones. And I think he another interesting case going into next year is, you know, do the Kings resign Damian Jones? Does that make Rashawn Holmes even more expendable? I think Holmes is already might probably be traded this offseason um you know with the sabonis edition and maybe you can get a nice power forward for homes perhaps as that's a weak spot for the kings and i don't know like 
Damian Jones, I I know Damian Jones is doesn't have the biggest sample size of games and you know everything like that. And do you really want Damian Jones as your backup center when you're trying to make the playoffs? But I think he's proving that he wouldn't be a bad option as a backup center. And if you bring him in next year and if Holmes is gone, I personally I wouldn't mind having Damian Jones as a backup center for the Kings trying to make trying to end their 16 year playoff drought. I think that's what he's proven so far. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I uh, yeah, I'm confident in saying that. Yeah, he he's awesome and he's been like that since we got him and I wish he had get, gotten more minutes. It has been interesting um since we've had him, you know, we, we I feel like the Kings have just had a ton of centers cuz he's he's a center. He's not a power forward. He's right. strictly a center. We had Holmes and Hassan Whiteside last year. Um did we have anyone else last year? I mean, probably. But then, you know, this year we have Holmes. We, then we got Sabonis. And then on the bench we had, you know, Tristan Thompson for a minute. We had Alex Lynn. He hasn't had a lot of time to get those minutes. So it is nice seeing him down the stretch, getting the minutes, and actually in proving still that even in starting minutes, he's, he's still effective. I mean, the other night against the Rockets, granted it was against the Houston Rockets, one of the worst teams in the league, but, you know, he almost grabbed a double double. I think it was twenty four and nine, but he set his career high in points twenty four against the Pacers last week. He hit in that game winning shot. He's definitely proving it in the time, and I'm happy to see because I've always been a a Damian Jones you know enthusiast. Uh, yeah, I I, I kind of hope the Kings do sign him next year, and especially if Holmes. I think Holmes is going to be moved. Um. But one way he, or another. Yeah. And I, I think Jones would be a great backup. And he's someone who would understand that he is a backup, unlike probably mm-hmm. Holmes does. Because Holmes, you know, of course he wants to be a starter. He was paid to be a starter on the Kings. Right. But yeah, I think I think well that's the big thing about Jones is he's just when things have to be deferred to him, like early in that Houston game, I mean, he had like fifteen points early. Yeah. And, in like seven and minutes. He's just getting passes dished to him, you know. Um, whether it was Mitchell or Lyles getting into the paint and then dishing it off to him, and he's getting, he's getting, you know, he's just cleaning up what he needs to do, and he can do that. But he's also perfectly content not doing that, you know, not getting that necessarily that option, just setting picks, doing the right thing, crashing the boards, and that's just he just fills in. It's just perfect. He just he's like he just fills in the open space, you know, in a way. Um, he just he does what needs to be done. You know, mm-hmm. whatever it is, he'll just do what that needs to be. And that's part of culture, too. And um, I agree. I just honestly, my personal opinion, I just think I I would bet that Holmes is not going to be on this team because one way or another, he's either going to be traded. Um, uh, I know Cunningham, Sean Cunningham, has been reporting pretty from the start of the Sabonis trade has been saying there's, it's just there's little doubt that um, there's no reason really to believe that they're going to keep him going into next season but then of course his uh off the court reports are very troubling and i think you know again no uh future you can't tell the future but uh, i just think either way there's going to be some i just don't think holmes is going to be on the roster next season i don't think he's going to be on the team and you want to talk about i mean you know i think jones as a backup like you said is just is great and um of course, you don't want to get content when you're trying to 
make a significant jump um, to the playoffs. But the Kings have, in a way, made a significant jump um, in terms of getting Sabonis and and also giving Jones his time. And there's a lot of clarity in that, that if Sabonis is going to be your starting center next season and Jones is going to be your backup, I mean, I just think every Kings fan looks at that that's been watching the last few games, that's been la- watching the team over the last month plus, uh, they, they have every reason to be pretty happy with that and i don't think that that's underselling it because even i mean you want to make it even more dangerous in terms of underselling it you know i think len is signed until next season and um you talk about that really i think so i think he signed a two-year deal am i making that up i don't know Uh, that was a one-year but i could be wrong i signed a two-year deal he signed a two-year deal Uh, really Dude, never yeah. play. I honestly forgot he was on the team some at some stretch. Right. You right. have Alex Len? But Which I is sad. You know what? Sorry. Quick, quick segue. Go ahead. Because I think I was going to say something similar. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, like, we Alex Len. We didn't really talk about Alex Len much on this podcast. But I remember when we got Alex Len the year of the bubble. I believe it was that season. And we got him at the trade deadline with oh, yeah. Jabari Parker. And he was so great for the Kings. He was great. And it was surprising. I'm like, oh, Alex Lynn, like he's really good for us. Um, and then we didn't sign them last year or something, you know, and then we got him back this year. I was very excited to get Alex Lynn because of the way he played in the second half of the season in 2019, 20. I think that's the year. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, you know, it just hasn't been the same, unfortunately. But I, I mean, Alex Lynn's still solid. Anyways, back to what, back to your point. If I didn't, if I didn't make you lose your train of thought. No, no, no. Because um, I was talking. I mean, you know, like you said, he never plays. Well, first of all, credit has to be given to Alex Lynn. Like Alex Lynn is a talented NBA player. He, you know, started out in Phoenix for what, like five years, and then like he went to. Atlanta got traded to Sacramento, was in Toronto, um, and then went to Washington and is now in SAC. And he's just bounced around, hasn't really found a place. And one of the things that's been positive about him is that I know in that Magic game, uh, when uh, Jones got into foul trouble, uh, he had to play more minutes. And, you know, I don't think it's to the sa- nearly to the same degree as Jones. Um, but... If you're talking about, I guess, a third center or something like that, or the guy at the end of the bench that you need to call on as a reserve, you know, um, in case there is an injury to a big man, he will give you – he's a he's an NBA player. He will give you valuable minutes. And, you know, I, I just think that it would have been interesting to see if he had really found a place in this league long term. Because um, I don't remember where this was. This might have been – uh, uh, it was one of the uh, opponents broadcasting crew. They were talking about Alex Len in the same light. They were like, you know, he was pretty, he wasn't bad in Phoenix, you know? Uh, I think, I think I can look at his stats there. I mean, he was, okay. Yeah. I, um, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't, I, I'm not saying he's great, but uh, um, in terms of being a quality NBA player, He's never really been given the opportunity since Phoenix, you know, as much. Um, and 
just in terms of, and again, I didn't want to like get too uh, complacent in terms of how this roster looks because I think that major changes need to be made. And if you can improve somewhere, you should improve somewhere. But I mean, <laughs> I don't know. He's he's an interesting um, he's an interesting guy to have kind of in the bottom of the bag. You know what I mean? Yeah. It- like what you said, <laughs> Alex Lynn's on your third option at center. That's probably you're not going to have a terrible lineup. Uh, I think the problem with Alex Lynn is that he's a dying breed in the NBA in the sense that he's not a very athletic big man. He's more like, I mean, I, I wish you, he, he's kind of like an enforcer in a way. He's going to hold down that paint for you. He's a big body. Uh, he doesn't, generate a lot of offense i don't think he's that special on defense more like i said big body he'll grab boards he'll fight with the best of them but uh i think it's his lack of mobility that's really hurt alex lynn over the years especially in a league that's you know a lot more up tempo fast paced um, and on a team that's really up tempo exactly he, he doesn't fit in the best but yeah i mean he when he's needed and called upon he's provided quality minutes and I didn't realize we had him next year, but I I don't think I want him as my backup. I'd rather have Damian Jones, honestly, and I think you know yes, Alvin Gentry yes, yes, yes. realizes that. But I mean, shoot, if he's your third option, and you know Sabonis and Jones are probably you know everyone misses time right during the season, so he's gonna yeah. he's gonna provide quality minutes for you and some games you need to win. I mean, that's the guy you want out there. Mm-hmm. So, or you know, as your third option, so. Right. Yeah. Lynn. Well, I mean, you know, it's interesting. You're talking about his lack of mobility. I mean, the the kid they drafted, uh, Nemius, uh, is it Queta or Keita? I, I, I think it's Keita. Keita. He's yeah. supposed to be really athletic, isn't he? Kind of a springy guy. Yeah. I don't, really... I don't know if he's actually so fast, though. I don't think he's like. No, no, no. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah, I. I don't know. I don't know too much about Kata really. A lot of people, a lot of Kings fans are calling on Kata to get more minutes. I don't know. Second rounders are second rounders for a reason. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that they don't deserve a shot, but you, you really have to prove in this league that, you know, like Isaiah yeah. Thomas, like you have to, you have to go out there and prove. Um, do I have Nemias Kata, if he excels, great, but. I guess just addressing all those Kings fans who want to see him sure. get more minutes. It's, I mean, there's a reason he's not. There's better players ahead of him and probably players that are going to be better than him down the line. And that's who they're going to give, you know, that's who's going to get the minutes and they're going to develop those guys. Uh, Kata, good shot blocker, good defender. He's a great screen assister, but I don't know. I don't know if he provides much more than that. He's a big body, though. He can probably rebound pretty well. He, he obviously needs a bigger chance, but you know he's spent most of the season in the G League for a reason. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to earn that, especially if you're more second rounder, big guy. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, and like, it's like the Kings already have like we we're talking about four centers on the roster. So, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, interesting. Definitely need to be brought up just because I, I I know I heard Kyle Draper, my favorite guy, uh, say that on the <laughs> um, say that on uh, the pregame. Um, but you know, 
It's interesting. Of course, I always stand by the idea. If you can make this team better, you better darn do it. Um, yep. Because you never know when that opportunity is going to come up again. But, uh, yeah, Damian Jones, uh, just not enough can be said about him. It's been it's been impressive. Um, yeah. Him and, very him and Mitchell have just been killing it in the uh, added opportunity and making real good use of this valuable time. And the team just does not seem at all interested in having the conversation that um, <laughs> speaking of what's on pregame live, I think I turned on pregame live <laughs> and I saw um, like the political guy, Steve Kornacki <laughs> doing like probabilities for draft picks and stuff. And um, it's uh, just always amazing to me how easily enamored people are with just a few numbers, but you know, there's something bigger in terms of, you know, people will tell you, and there's a good argument to say that the Kings should just tank at this point because they're not in the playoffs. They know that. They've known that for a while. They should just tank and get a better draft pick. And, like, yeah, that makes sense in one way because you're you're thinking about the future. But in the same light, in thinking about the future, establishing continuity for next season, establishing that identity and that culture, I mean, obviously they're doing that, and I think that's really going to pay off. And, um, you know, I just hope this team keeps doing that because I know that DiVincenzo, after they lost to Miami, he referred to the next two games as, uh, against Houston as games they should and, and should win, you know, that they expect to win because, you know, Houston's the worst team in the league. Um, and... You know, I don't think there's any doubt about it. This team is intent on that latter option of thinking about the future in a way that they can control and not just trying to tank and uh, put all your money in uh, a few lottery balls. Um, you know, uh, it's just, you know, the conversation is fair to have. And I think there's arguments to be made about the tanking, but I don't think that the Kings are the Kings are even thinking about tanking at all. Um, I don't know if you've, engaged in any of those conversations about tanking or not tanking or how you feel well about it. let me say this it's not a player it's not the players or coaches jobs to tank that's the front office's job um players are always going to play to win coaches are always going to coach to win right um i think the kings are kind of tanking honestly by removing fox and sabonis right there I, I really don't know what their injury updates are. I'm assuming that it's probably, you know, I bet if they're in a playoff race, Sabonis and Fox are playing, right? Um, but, you know, so I think in that mindset right there, I, the front office, they're tanking. They're, they're holding these guys out. You know they're not going to play again. So I, that, I think that's tanking right there. So I believe this team is tanking. But when you look at the players, of course they're not going to be tanking. They're going to play to win. And... You know, watching Davion Mitchell, he's forcing OT against the Suns, even though they lost that game. He forced OT and beat the Magic. He, they uh, were down to the wire a couple nights ago with the Rockets. And so, you know, they, I don't know, they're going to play to win. And I've said that five times now already. But, um, you know, it, it, it's it's good development to see. You're watching that. You you put you put the Kings in a position to lose. I think the front offices by removing Sabonis and Fox, right? 
and you can be okay with that. If you lose, you get higher draft picks, great. But you also, you don't want to see the team play bad. You still want to see them compete. You want to see these guys given these opportunities like Jones and Mitchell. You want to see them play their best basketball. And if they win games, so be it. Because that just shows their development and what we can look forward to the future. So that's my take on it. Yeah, I think that's an excellent. That's, that's, a, that's I hadn't thought about it. Um, yeah, I, when I asked that, I didn't think that uh, they, they had put themselves in the position to tank. Um, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense just to think about it that way. Not really clean cut. Um, a lot of nuance to that. And in terms of the front office, I mean, like, that's kind of a good problem to have because you're taking a gamble. You know, if this team uh, does end up losing a bunch of games, well, then you get your better pick. But if they play better and they're increasing excitement, well, eh, you know, in the business standpoint, you're selling your product for next season. Um, so that that seems to be that that's probably the the the, the split mindset there amongst uh, up top and players and coaches and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um, that always has to be taken into consideration because it does get it often does you know uh, I'm proof of it just there. It's so easy to boil down that conversation to either or when it's like, hey, you know, it's kind of a lot more to it, you know, mm. but, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that just still still it's interesting to see that uh, you have, uh, you know, they bring on NBC News guy to be like, well, you know, if, uh, Sacramento uh, loses another game here and it slips behind Portland here. You know, they have a, you know, uh, you know, he's like counting out numbers, doing simple addition and stuff like that. I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> Why this is this is the perception of like Sacramento, I think, and I think it's the perception. I just think that the the global, not the global, the national sports media has kind of got a little bit of a. They just have a horrible way of covering sports in covering everything and being the national, um, like in, in ESPN's case, in covering everything in sports. They really reveal how bad they are at covering specific things in sports. You know. They can tell you mm-hmm. who won, but in terms of an- analyzing it, you're just going to get skimming from the top, you know? And yes. That's, there's nothing more true than that when it comes to a lot of uh, some uh, smaller market teams. And I think you could probably make that argument about the Kings big time. And <laughs> it was, um, I didn't read it because it's ESPN plus and you got to have a freaking <laughs> subscription to read this garbage. Um, they did <laughs> They did. They. I don't know who pitches this to an editor. I don't know who walks into an editor's office and says, hey, boss, I'm working on something. And I didn't want to tell you about it, but I, I, I want you to know that I'm going to write a piece breaking down the power rankings of the NBA. But no, it's not going to be right now. It's not even going to be next season. It's not going to be just, it's not just going to be that. What happens if I did a power rankings? For the next three seasons. Huh? And the editor is just, I, what? Who goes, who nods their head? And, I, I, I can't wait to read it. You know, <laughs> who's, what, who, what is going on in ESPN's offices that they have to write such silly stuff? I mean, this is stuff that, you know, when you get your spark, your start in sports writing as a kid or whatever, and you're just shooting off ideas, you're like, well, I'm just going to do a, I mean, like, no offense to whoever did this, but it's like, it just seems like something a, 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 an adolescent would do, <laughs> you know, let, like someone's let, starting out. Let and, me, 
sorry let, yeah. let me get let me jump in real quick you can get back to your rant for those who don't know what we're talking about espn plus did this article uh nba power rankings over the next three years so they rank each team i guess in power rank they yeah i don't know power rankings of the next three years whatever the hell that means right um the kings were ranked dead last and i actually did read the article because i know someone with espn plus it's not me i don't pay for that garbage myself but um compliment, compliment to you, whoever that is <laughs> yeah uh, it's a family member but um it's uh yeah you know and you know what the article said and <laughs> why we were ranked so low i i guess before we were we were ranked 24th which means that it was i guess they do these often cause it's like previous ranking 24th so i'm like okay <laughs> i guess <laughs> They must. This must oh, be a so consistent thing. This is a thing. recurring thing. I, I guess. I, I've never heard of it before. So they not only did the editor like it, he liked it so much to say, "Let's just do, <laughs> let's do it every year or every three years, however they do it." Yes, this- but but the, <laughs> let me tell you about the article. So the it seemed like the they were ranked twenty fourth before the trade, before the Halliburton trade, and they dropped so low because the short term move to add in Sabonis hasn't paid off and because they're only five and ten with sabonis playing and that's that's what's dropped them because it's, it's a short-term success move and they still haven't made the play in this year now it's not like it's not like sabonis has two years left on his contract or anything you know it's just mm-hmm. it's stupid it doesn't yeah. it doesn't sound like they're covering it very well it's like yeah short-term move so yeah, it's, it's not like we. It's not like Sabonis is a unrestricted free agent after this year or something, you know. So they made it seem like, like whatever. Rumblings behind the scene that Sabonis can't stand Sacramento. Like that's yeah. not happening. Not even remotely close to happening. Yes, uh, it was. <laughs> it's just kind. I of mean, funny. like, I I get it to a certain degree because it's just like there have been some. You have to admit there've been some real big boneheaded moves, but I just don't think that that's fair. <laughs> at all like because this is the thing that was different about that move was that it was a completely it was just a whole you'd never seen anything like that in a long time the kings are usually shipping off somebody they're not getting somebody you know yeah mm-hmm. i don't know it was they really screwed up I, I guess this is one thing that um i was i started drafting a letter to espn regarding this article because um i wanted to know uh where's your crystal ball i mean how do you how do you know and I want to know, because I feel like you could, instead of writing cruddy articles like this, you could do a lot more good to the world with a, with a crystal ball. I don't know. This is just stupid, and it just makes no sense, because I just think that the national media, you know, whenever they have to do this whole thing where they have to cover the whole NBA, you know, they get some things that relatively okay. I'm sure that they piss off some, you know, Lakers fans and Celtics fans and whatever, but... um in terms of entirely missing, you know, <laughs> hey, it's like they don't even take, make an effort to know anything about the Kings. Um, and it goes for other franchises, I guess. But I don't know if it's to the consistent degree. Uh, Sacramento. <laughs> I, and I don't think it's like deliberate. I don't think they're like, ah, like I got to get the smaller markets. I just don't think that they, they really care. Um, uh, I think... Um, uh, in terms of as a writer myself, I'll tell you that most of writing is writing about things you have no idea what you're talking about. 
and you're doing your best to make it seem like you know what you're talking about. Um, and that is just super evident in terms of coverage of some things. And, you know, it, the trade was a perfect example of that because it just seemed like it was so one-sided. It's just, it seemed like the Kings had just traded everything away to get Sabonis. And it's just, that could not be further from the truth. Um, I mean, we've delved into that. I don't need to get into that again. But, you know, it's just, it's just it, they would be better off not saying anything. You know, it's just because hey. it's just I, I, you know, I listen to a lot of these these away announcers because I like listening to that different perspective. And if they're not already giving respect to the new look Kings, they are in the middle of watching the Kings and midway in the first half, they're already talking about how different they look every time. It's one of those two things. And I think that speaks volumes. And it just goes to show that when you actually watch the team, it doesn't even, you don't even have to follow the team full on. You just watch the team a little bit, you get a whole real idea. And the reason for ranking them last is just, again, skimming from the top. Silliness. Uh, from past experience, and especially the playoff drought the Kings are on and how bad they've been forever. It's easy to pick on us. I remember, you know, 2012, I believe it was a year. Uh, maybe it was 2010. I, I remember one time the Kings were ranked dead last in in all major sports franchises. So hockey, basketball, baseball, football. We were ranked dead last in franchise rankings. I mean, <laughs> that's what, like 120 teams, maybe a little more. What about, the, De- what about the Detroit Lions? Dude. They were probably they were probably one twenty four or whatever, and we were probably one twenty five. We were ranked dead last, dead. It, uh, I, I I can see why, but shoot, and and then I believe Vivek was voted or ranked the worst owner in the NBA, right? A couple well, of years ago, the, or I mean that's that obvious. Might be the best right? piece of, <laughs> that might be the best piece of journalism they did on Sacramento. <laughs> it's just it's just a long yeah, list. Yeah, it, that is true. But it just, you know, this article is, it just adds to the long list of articles or rankings of where the Kings or something associated with the Kings, you know, are dead last in these rankings. And this one, I think this one's kind of, this one's kind of dumb. Maybe back in 2000, I think it was 2012, maybe 2011. I think it was like right around the whole moving situation and stuff like that. You know, it's understandable. Vivex understandable, but like, like you said, it's just so stupid. Like the next three years, what what does that mean? Like, uh, yeah, and like, how are you predicting this stuff, right? Just predict it for next season from what you can see right n- now. Like that would be more acceptable. It's like okay, but it's like the next three years, like anything can change. I think the Grizzlies were ranked number one. It's like I get it, you know, because they're good right now, but that doesn't mean anything for the next three years. You don't know what's going to happen at all. And it just exactly because, again, I think this just makes a broader point about the national sports media as a whole. It's just like, man, people are just better off following the local coverage, following beat writers, following specific things, not just turning on some garbage like ESPN or something like that and listening to their their broad take. You know, they're they're let's have people argue for takes and stuff like that. Just get clicks and things like that and have um, JJ freaking Reddick look aghast when <laughs> his friend gets traded. It's like, can we not, can we get guys that aren't personal? 
Yeah. It's like, that just seems kind of, let's get his take. What do you think? They traded your best, your, your buddy. It's, it's the stupidest thing ever. I'm like, of course he's going to say that. Like, <laughs> yeah. What a take. What valuable information for the fans at home. What a valuable information for the people at home. I love it. That's great. <laughs> you know, that just makes a broader point about that whole thing. It's just, you'd be better off. You'd be better off following a couple of knuckleheads like us. <laughs> if you want to know anything about the Kings. Yeah. If you want real there. analysis on our Sacramento Kings, Kings talk. Yeah. We delve deep. We delve deep so deep into the bag. We will talk about Alex Lynn for a couple of minutes. We'll talk about Alex Lynn. We'll talk about, you know, Quincy Doobie. You know, Quincy Doobie? <laughs> no. <laughs> Who's Quincy just, Doobie? I don't know. He's just some first round draft pick from like 10 years ago. No, probably like 15 oh, nice. years ago. He dropped like, like 91 points. In, I think, I believe he owns the. The Chinese Basketball Association, is that what it's called? CBA. I think he owns the record for most points scored in a game with like 91. I think the Kings just draft guys who just dominate in China. Quincy Doobie, Jimmer Fredette. Of course you're going to find a way to bring Jimmer Fredette up. Yeah, you know what? He's He never got the chance. I'm just saying. I, I, can, I can feel the pain. I can feel it in your voice anyways you know got a game tonight against the rockets uh we play the rockets again are we are we still in houston are we back home i don't even know no yeah they just they they got to hang out in houston you know what's funny they they did that against they did that against houston earlier this year except they did back-to-back games in sacramento that's kind of funny so now it's now it's the king's turn to stay in houston because the rockets stay huh. in sacramento Kind of weird way to do it. We, and, we, and we host. I, I know that's such a weird scheduling thing because we hosted Minnesota back to back. Yeah, yeah. That Halliburton. It was the Halliburton trade. It was. Yeah. We. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, and the most surprising thing is there's what? How many games left? Five, six. And, uh, and yeah, five. And we're still not out of. <laughs> we're still not out of playing contention. Isn't that kind of funny? Hey man, I don't know what that ESPN article is talking about. Dude. Anything's possible. Let's see. We there are. We are currently at the second I'm recording this podcast, and it'll probably be different by the time people listen. We're four games out of the tenth seed. With whatever, what's twenty eight plus forty nine? What's the record? Twenty eight plus forty nine. Seventy. So there's five games left. Um, and we're four out. So I don't know. Do the math. If we lose tomorrow, we still might be in it. I, I, or tonight, I don't know. We still have a whole slate of games that haven't even been played. If, so if we listen to this, go check yourself. <laughs> <laughs> go look for yourself. Yes. Yeah. Our reliability but, expires about after an hour. <laughs> yeah, we're at an hour seven. Um, yeah, our reliability's been gone. But um, anything else to add? Now that you say that. No, I, I think I think that covers everything. All right. Well, uh, enjoy the game tonight, and maybe we can pull off. Maybe we'll see Davion Mitchell. Maybe extend that twenty and twenty point seven assist streak, and maybe the Kings can pick up another dub and drop their uh, their chances of getting the top pick in the draft. But uh, until next time, everybody, Tony and John bringing you Kings talk. Have a good one.